This is the EWN Podcast Network. Everybody wants to win. It's how we define success in life. Michelle Nagel explores resilience, teaches you happiness hacks, and provides tools for building positive relationships, all of which are essential for winning at the game of life. Join us to learn how to roar. Welcome to Roar to Win. This is Michelle Nagel, and our guest today is Dr. Irina Kay, who's a retired obstetrician gynecologist who helps women save their marriage in her capacity as a relationship success coach. She was able to turn a stressed, withering marriage into a passionate love relationship with her husband of over 30 years to be happy again every day. In addition to her medical doctorate, she holds certificates in law of attraction coaching, trauma resolution coaching, and marriage facilitation. Welcome, Irina. Thank you so much, Michelle, for having me. I'm happy to be here. It was nice to have this conversation with you. So um, what are you passionate about and why? I help women improve their relationship to save their marriage. And this is because I walked that talk. I know how hard that was for us and me. But now I have the most incredible, loving, passionate marriage with my husband of now it's almost 40 years, actually. Uh And I just would want that for everybody because everybody deserves to be happy and we can make the world a better place if relationships are great. And that starts at home. Well, it actually starts with yourself, Mm -hmm. but that goes out to your loved ones and your family, your friends, community and everything. So I'm really passionate about helping women to achieve what I have. I had to learn the hard way. I hope to make it easier by giving shortcuts. Yeah, that would, that would be awesome. Yes. So uh, do you only work with women? No, um, predominantly with women because mostly it's the women who step up, right? The women is the ones who come forward and say something needs to be done, something doesn't work. I want to do everything I can in my power to save this and turn it around. And usually the men then follow with that, but it's rarely that men step forward. It happens, but and sometimes it's couples, but it's predominantly women, yeah. So it seems to be kind of an interesting um, trans. A transition from going to be an OBGYN to a relationship coach. Yeah. Why, why did you choose that? Was that just because of your own experience or was there? No, that, there was a lot of other things coming into play. The first being that we actually moved from Switzerland, this is where I'm from, to the United States. And this is now 24 years ago. Mm-hmm. I think it's 24, maybe it's more. <laughs> Um, and here I would have had to start from the very beginning again, although I was over there, I was, you know, in charge of an outpatient clinic here, I would have to start as an intern again. And I have five young children and I didn't want that to do, I wanted to do that to them being an absentee mother. I wanted to bring them up myself. And because I couldn't work here part-time as a doctor, I had to actually kind of scrap this this whole career because here I would have to start from the very, very beginning. And um, I started, you know, then doing the self-care, which at my point at that point was being becoming a karate instructor. And I went to the training, became a black belt and an instructor that was a childhood dream. And like happens, you know, life happens that way with the karate and the martial arts and the philosophy behind it came the philosophy of the, Chinese and Japanese philosophies of Bushido and all that thing that comes along with that, the the energy healings and energy fields. So I went into Reiki 
I became a Reiki master teacher and I started, you know, helping women that way. And I always just felt like I am a healer in some sorts. And I felt a sisterhood with women and to help them out, whether it's as a gynecologist or a Reiki teacher. And then I found coaching and I found the law of attraction coaching extremely valuable with this energy work that I was doing. It was just exactly for my next phase of my life, what I wanted to do. That's Plus my own experience felt, you know, mm-hmm. fueled into this and that's how it all came together. Oh, that's pretty wonderful. So, um, I would not have imagined you as a black belt. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told that before. Oh, well, I think, I think it's wonderful because um, you're, you're very uh, petite. So no. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> wait, I'm not really let's petite. Put slender, yeah. Let's put it slender. Anyway, so it, you, oh, just, you just don't come across this. I was really an athlete. I was very muscular. Uh-huh. And kick-ass. <laughs> Yeah, that's wonderful. Mm. So, um, so I had a question about so your um, your journey was of having been married for thirty years and and having your relationship in a really unpleasant place, and you chose to work on your relationship and change it. Yes. So, what about have you noticed that there is a trend nowadays to just label a relationship toxic and jettison it? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I don't know if there's a trend. I mean, it's been that for a bit, but you know, obviously, in my generation or my parents' generation, there were people they had just kind of a more of a, a sense of responsibility to say, no, we have to, we have to really tough this out. That you can't just drop the stuff and leave with anything and everything. You're not just entitled to anything. You think the grass is greener over there? It's probably not. Mm-hmm. And then just like you know, give everything up. And there are other people involved, like I said, five children. I didn't want to do that for them. I felt I have to, you know, to just suck it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but that sounds like a, that sounds like a really um, uncomfortable thing to do. I mean, really, this is, <laughs> here yeah, I am. on one of my pet peeves is like, people are not disposable. And we live in a disposable society. We really do. Uh, divorces are up to 60%, which is just horrifying to think about because it's not just two people deciding that they don't want to be together anymore. It's two people and all of their children. And the collateral damage is just mind boggling. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I'm not advocating that you have to stick it out at all costs. If the relationship is abusive, or if, you know, he is like addicted, there's an addiction involved or he's serial cheater or something. And there is really, you would have to stoop so low to stay there. Then no, I'm not advocating this. But before you go that way, like you mentioned, just dispose of something, like dispose of a commitment, really try everything you can to turn it around. And it is possible. Yeah, and to give the other person the opportunity to change rather than just saying, it's too late, goodbye. Right, right. So how can resilience play a role in saving your marriage or improving a relationship? Well, like we said right now, right, resilience is huge. It's the grit that's behind it because a relationship deteriorates over time. It doesn't happen overnight. I mean, yes, obviously it can be that infidelity plays into, you know, that and 
you know this overnight you know you now oh my god he cheated on me but it hasn't happened overnight right and it won't happen overnight that everything will be dandy and happy ever after like it is for me this doesn't happen overnight either so you do need the resilience to stick it out and to work through it and you have to start with yourself it's like you said you can't change another person you really can't got to change yourself and then this will come all together and start flowing and start manifesting itself yeah so if we're if we're blaming our partner for everything that happens is that a possibility that it's going to be successful no i'm sorry to say if you're blaming only the other person and you do not take your own crap and be responsible for that the chances are low unless the other person is so strong and has the resilience and tough it out that they start the process and then you will be able to be able to respond to that mm -hmm. yeah so um what about optimism again this is big right if you're in a shitty situation pardon my french it is very easy to look only for the negative because you we know the brain has a negative bias mm -hmm. and that you can see in the news all the time what is sensational is always the bad stuff and then to be in a situation where it's hard and tough and you have to be resilient and you have to have the grit and then you're negative on top of it it's probably not going to work so you try to find to be the, the good things in life you try to be positive you try to find to be optimistic and future pace yourself and look to the future that is bright and good and keep the optimism in place that is very very important i think for all aspects in life whether it's business relationship anything what part does commitment play the partner's commitment to the relationship yes or to the optimism to the relationship you know it's this i'm talking now from a point from a woman and the crazy thing is men actually need a woman to make their life not only complete but make sense if a woman they have purpose in having to be there for a woman that this is what they're wired for to be somebody's hero so if they don't have that they probably feel you know unloved and disrespected so as a woman we have a lot more power than we think and if even the the person is not committed anymore they can be recommitted by the way we women act because they need that they want that mm -hmm. yeah um so what part where does accountability fit into this what we said before is like you mentioned it before it's like you can't always blame somebody else you have to be accountable not only you accountable to yourself basically you can be accountable to your partner as well you can make somebody your accountability partner maybe this is a coach maybe it's easier with a coach to be you know accountable with somebody but you have to see and own your own stuff you're you're this two two to tangle there's always a back and forth and if you don't see that there's anything in you that you could change to make things better and be accountable and responsible for your actions it won't happen either mm -hmm. yeah what if, what if, be accountable for what you do what if you start looking outside that relationship for um those needs that you have to be needed you know what i read is that um people affair down 
is what they call it, the affair down, because they kind of look for the same thing outside the relationship that they haven't gotten inside but would want to have inside. Because outside, it's easier. There is no baggage. There's not, maybe the children are not there. It's not the, not the same children, at least. So you start looking outside. It depends for what. If you look outside for another partner, usually it, it may be that it works out if you're lucky. But we know that second marriages even fail more miserably than first ones. But if you look for other things to fulfill yourself, that could help. If it is something constructive and something positive that doesn't take the place of your primary relationship, that can help, whether it's, you know, doing yoga. In my, in my um, case, it was definitely going to karate like six times a week. That helped, you know, me to be me. Mm -hmm. Get it there too. I need fulfilled. Yeah. So that's an activity though. Um, yes, it's an activity. Yeah, we have a tendency to look to other people to, feel, to fill those needs. And then I think that we start having into problems. Um, when a what can what can happen when a woman transforms their marriage? Gosh, it's what I'm living every day. I mean, imagine getting up in the morning and you're just so happy and grateful and joyful to start the day with the love of your life next to you. And during the day, whenever you, whatever you do, you know he has your back. Whenever you know you have a decision to make you know, you don't have to hide it anymore. You can really openly discuss it and be vulnerable and share and know somebody is there who's always having your back. It's, it's just so, it's so different. It's like living in a high vibration of joy and happiness and love versus being in anger and resentment and bitterness. It's a completely different outlook on life and everything is so much better. You can all the negativity that comes at you from life in any case, you know, like my car, for example, is now in the shop for two weeks longer than they said it would be. It's much easier to deal with that stress from the outside if you have someone with you that completely supports and encourages you. And that can happen. So you said there are, there are some marriages that should not be transformed and those would be again remind me what those were yes i think you know if you're in an abusive relationship if, if is the husband is abusive this is not something you you would be needing to take this is not something i would advocate you do mm -hmm. same happens with addictions addictions is a very tricky thing to overcome and if they're not able to overcome addictions and you have to stoop so low to be supportive of a person who is addicted it's probably going to be detrimental for yourself. And the same if you know, I mean, if you're in an open marriage and it's fine with you, then that's fine. But if you're in a committed relationship and want to be solely committed and, you know, not having, like I said, an open relationship where it's swingers and he's a serial cheater and he's constantly cheating on you, it's debasing. And that's not what I would say you should stay in. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's too tough. It's not, it's not, you know, you don't have to, be nobody you don't have to make yourself so small that you don't matter anymore that anybody could you could be his doormat now then you're better off leaving that relationship and searching for someone else because they're out there but don't search for them while you're still in that relationship that's i don't know because i was never in that in that you know um i've never had to deal with these kind of things mm -hmm. 
but it would probably be more honest to first leave one relationship before you search for another one. But if it happens, it may happen. It may make even open your eyes that, oh my God, I don't have to be a doormat. I can be somebody who matters. Someone else might love me for me, right? Mm -hmm. If it happens, it happens. Then it's probably a hint from the universe. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I, I kind of have issues with people who engage in a relationship with somebody else when they're still married to somebody. So, um, so you said that there are five shifts and what would those shifts be? Yes, I was, that's what I said about my, you know, long, long, long term, decades long travel from hell to heaven. Basically I found that if you do these, they have these five shifts, it's kind of a shortcut. And the first one is believe in yourself. It's really Yes, I can do this. I can turn this around. I believe in myself. I can save it. If it's worth saving, I can save it. And the, the second shift is, and that goes into the accountability that we talked about, you need to own your own side of the street. You need to own up to your shit. Like we said before, you know, everything is about energy and energy exchange. And your marriage is actually a mirror of how you show up. Now, we also said you really can't change somebody else. You can only be the change and then see that reflected in somebody else. Yeah, there will. There's no way a relationship can stay the same if you are changing. It's just like an equation, right? It's, if some, so one side of the equation changes, the other one will. It has to. That's physics, math, mathematics, logical, right? So first shift, believe in yourself. You can do this. Second, be the mirror. Own your stuff and show up differently and it will start shifting on the other side as well. And in the third shift, I'm saying it's what I call my secret weapon, right? Is to do reboot your brain, really reboot your brain to go very, very deeply into the core of issues that you may have. You may not even know why you're acting the way you are and why you're triggered by certain things. And that is because most likely stuff happened to you in early childhood. You might not even be aware of it anymore, but you have these mannerisms or these behaviors that are could be detrimental and you see that and you want to change it. I have, you know, I'm still working on that stuff that I'm still getting triggered by stuff that is irrelevant. Let's say for my husband, he doesn't even know it would trigger me. Why would it for him? That doesn't make sense that this is a trigger, but for me it is. And working through these things with a brain reboot, a rewiring of the brain, that is huge, I believe. And that's where I learned this from the trauma resolution from, you know, working with people who have PTSD goes very, very deeply into the core, into your subconscious and, you know, changing those beliefs and these brain patterns, the neural brain patterns. That's my secret weapon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so now you said yeah, that was three. That was three. So number four is the one that you kind of want to be more future focused. Really focus on your dream every day. And we know from Napoleon Hill, already in 1937, right? He studied these people and knew that their mindset played the biggest role in being successful. And you can do the same thing with yourself. You can be trying to be focused on just the future. Future pace yourself and see what can happen 
if you shift your behaviors and the mirrors get back, you know, he's getting reflected back to you and everything starts flowing towards that bright future that you can envision. So if you try to keep yourself in that vibration, it will happen so much faster. But I also know, and this is the fifth shift, you have to, you have to really acknowledge you can't do it on your own. Mm-hmm. It's almost impossible to do that. And it's because physically, physiologically, and in the biology of the brain, these connections are there between the nerve cells and you need to rewire it. But how would you be able to if you don't know that this other pathway exists outside of your brain, right? Mm-hmm. That is just the same thing as saying we don't know what reality is. The reality is different for you than it's me. It's perception. And the perception that you have is from your whole lifetime of what your brain got imprinted with. And the only way to change that is with an outside influence. You cannot, you can physically not look at yourself from the inside that way and change it. Yeah, these are the five shifts. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, We need to take a break and we'll be right back for some more conversation with Dr. Irina Kay, who is um, telling us how to save relationships. Be right back. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Welcome back. This is Michelle Nagel with Roar to Win. And my guest today is Dr. Irena Kay, who is a retired obstetrician gynecologist who helps women save their marriages in her capacity as a relationship success coach. And she has experience with this because she did it herself. And um, she also has a certification in law of attraction coaching, trauma resolution coaching, and marriage facilitation. So, Irina, what if you want to change your marriage or a woman wants to change her marriage, but her spouse has decided he's done? Is there any hope for that? Absolutely. Absolutely, there is hope for that. Because there's always the question of why did the spouse decide he's done? Mm-hmm. Like we mentioned before, he may be done for a completely wrong reason. He may be done for the reason that she doesn't appreciate him anymore. He doesn't feel loved or respected from her anymore. And that's why he is done. Or maybe he's done with all the nagging because she didn't know what to do. She didn't know how to do it any better because she wanted something and needed something that she didn't get. But when the two of them find out and she can start this process of how can I be what you 
would be reflecting to me so I can get it. When you start that internal process of being what you need, you will be able to get it. I mean, it's like with me and my husband, it was the same thing. He told me that I changed. I didn't feel like I had changed. I felt, no, I'm still me. I'm still the same person. He said, no, you have really changed. And by doing this, by me being able to receive, it was like the tension just left. There was the stress was just gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely possible. That's great. Um, so you talked about the five shifts. How do you, how do you teach people to do that? Uh, right now I'm in the process of revamping and uh, actually creating a new program about these five shifts. Mm -hmm. I'll be starting probably in two to three weeks. Um, that is an option. I also do just one-on-one -on -one private coaching with women who want to get really into the depth of the things of what they can do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, what kind of, uh, of successes have you had with your clients that you can, can you share some stories with us of things that have, that you have helped them work through? I can. So the ha I had one client, I actually worked with her for a longer time on just on herself because she, she, she was really good. She knew that she needed to change something on herself and her marriage was really, really on the rocks. They had three or they have three children and she just didn't want to give up on those. And he was constantly distancing himself from the family and she didn't know how to, you know, get him in and kind of gave him self-help box and told him what to do. And that made him even more, um, how do I say, even more kind of ostracized. He felt outside because she was focusing on the children. It's like what I did too. And I was working with her and we were able to say, to un so make her understand that she was with these shifts able to release patterns from the past. And she actually told me that she was able to release something that she had carried with her for 28 years and always, you know, was triggering her husband with that. She was able to release that in 28 days. And after she realized that it was pretty simple for this man to become the father he was wanting to be and the husband he was wanting to be. They now enjoy a relationship where the family as a whole has been lifted in their vibration so much that the children say, you know what, dad is fun again. He wasn't anymore. He was bitter. And she had just almost given up. She was actually on the way out one time when we called, when she called me, she, she had packed the kids, she had packed her van and she was on the way to her mother's and said, I can't deal with this anymore. Mm -hmm. And then stopped and we were talking. He was incessantly texting her. He must've noticed something was up and they had a very deep, very fruitful conversation and revamped and restarted everything, restarted the communication, revived the love, and they're doing well now. Good. That's yeah. Nice. Um, it's nice to hear that there are people who are able to pull it together. So, um, so is it kind of, do you have a process that you take people through to, to teach them how to reawaken that? Yes, I do. That um, is basically the five shifts we were talking about that we would start with, start with yourself. The relationship to yourself is so important because if you, if you start believing that there is nothing for you anymore, if you start believing this is it, 
I don't deserve better. And that's what we were taught, mind you. Me as a child, that's exactly what we were taught. Mm-hmm. There's even sayings in German that says something like, um, trying to translate, the way you make your bed is the way you're going to sleep. Mm-hmm. So if you got this guy, this is your fault, you married this man, and then you evolve and you change, well, that's what you wanted. Now you have what you wanted, right? Mm-hmm. And it, wasn't meant, it was meant sarcastically. Right. And that is one of the big things that you have to realize that you have value and look into yourself. What is it that you need? What is it that you want? And then start believing in this and make this possible work towards that goal. But many people don't know what they want. They don't know what their purpose is in life. Mm-hmm. They really don't. They're just living by default and they're reacting by default. And so, with, go yes, ahead. With that, the coaching that I'm providing, I'm seeing, I, I try to find, get people to the point where they realize that they can respond instead of react. Mm-hmm. They find ways to respond. Maybe take a break and think first. You know, try to go within and think, why did that trigger me? Why would I have to be that way? Why would I, do I want this really? And then resolve it if it's not the way you want. Yeah, and that, uh, that is a much more mature way of doing it rather than saying, why do I have this feeling? Well, I have this feeling because he did. You know, it's, it's so back into the blaming thing again. But um, it's true, you know, that is true too. I mean, why do you have this feeling? Yes, it's because he did, but that is just the cause. It's just a superficial thing. What we want to get at is the source. Mm-hmm. Right, making a distinction between the cause and the source. The cause being what happens every day. It's this thing that triggers me, or maybe you know, it, wherever it is, it can be somebody cuts you off in the road and you get mad. That's the cause. You got mad, but right. another thing, when you feel great, you probably would just think, "Oh, schmuck, whatever, doesn't matter that much." Right. And the same thing is when you get triggered by your partner. You know, you you don't understand you. Um, you always act from your subconscious. That's just the way it is. But if you start thinking about what is in my subconscious that may have, may have this reaction and what could I do instead because I want it better, I don't want to have this outcome, that's when it starts happening. Yeah, we have a, an equation that we teach, which is E plus R equals O, which is the event, which the majority of time we have absolutely no control over the event at all. Mm-hmm. But the R is where all of our power is, and that's in our response to it. And it, exactly. it is the difference of the reaction versus a response. We all have a knee-jerk reaction, but we can choose whether or not we want to do that too. Exactly. And then, then the O is the outcome that we get from it. So have you found that as people make these shifts of, of, through discovering what their, um, what their triggers are, they make those shifts and choose not to respond that way anymore that that improves things in the relationship absolutely 100 percent. i think that is the the a and the o of everything is the thing is if you start finding out what the sources were for your triggers and look at it from an adult or mature way and not from the child that was imprinted which may have been completely wrong anyway you know how tricky memory is right right um then you can you can choose to, to react differently or now even to respond instead of react the knee-jerk reaction. You can re- respond. You can choose to do what make, gives you the better outcome. It's like you mentioned the R. 
that's the huge thing in this equation that will drive the oh the outcome absolutely so, so if you're busy trying to make changes in your own life and you're dealing with your own childhood garbage trying to improve your relationship what if your spouse is not dealing with their childhood garbage because you married that spouse because you've got like complimentary garbage <laughs> that's just what we do <laughs> so so what if you're working on your garbage pile but they're not working on their part absolutely i know what you're saying and this is very cool the thing is this, you married this person for a reason, right? There was somewhere that you got attracted, you find, found an affinity or something, and then you noticed that both of you grew and both of you may have grown apart and that's what happened with us. But there is always an underlying foundation where there is a congruency where you may still love each other or still feel something for each other, care for each other in some way. And when your partner sees how much better you feel about yourself, they start wanting to really get rid of their garbage too. That happened every single time. They always start to say like, wait a minute, how come you can do this? What should I? And if you can then give like suggestions, not from a condescending and from a like, you know, from the big high horse down, they will be more able to receive them and more able to understand. Yes, I actually maybe should work on my stuff too. And like I mentioned about this couple before, she was the one who always told him, why don't you read this? Then you know why to do that. Or why don't you read this self-help book and, and go through that? I did and it worked. And that's put, that was really pissing him off. Mm -hmm. But after when he saw what happened to her and that she grew that much, he wanted to do it too. He wanted to do it for himself. Okay. I mean, who wouldn't, right? If you see somebody who is happy, why, don't, why could that not be an inspiration? uh-huh yeah so if people want to know more about what you have to talk about how do they do that how do they find out more well the easiest way is either to you know contact me directly and if somebody wants to know what steps to take to literally what steps to take to save their marriage or something it's uh, to give a solid answer because everybody's situation is slightly different right it's really to best the best way for me is just to have a conversation. And that is absolutely free. I offer those at no charge. There is, and this is complimentary. So they can get together. They can go onto my website and um, they can book a session with me. We talk about it. And mm -hmm. I also have a little gift if, if I may share that one. Oh, um, that'd be great. Many people have told me the big problem in their marriage or committed relationship is communication and they don't know how to restart communication and i have just put together a little pdf that helps you with some tips and tricks how to restart the communication mm -hmm. and that one um do you want me to give you the link yes <laughs> yes they do when you find on the marriedlovesuccess.com forward slash communication secrets Communicationsuccess.com is my okay. website forward slash communication secrets. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, I find that communication is such a tricky thing. It is. Um, and eventually, you know, especially when, when marriages get into trouble and people get into their head that the spouse is deliberately trying to irritate them or annoy them or do something, um, it, 
what do you do in the where they actually have begun to get into the stage of hostilities as not just that we're uncomfortable, but we're actually hostile towards one another. What do you do about that? You know, just what you said, when they start being irritating and annoyed on purpose, they think that. No, it's probably even true. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, of a reaction, a kind of a counterattack, if you will, because they feel attacked. They feel unloved. So now they want to make it miserable for you too, you know, like misery loves company type of thing, mm-hmm. which is unfortunately true. But as soon as you are able to step out of that, of that exchange, of that negative energy exchange and get your vibration higher, this will just clear. It will because it must. That is just the way the energy exchange works. Mm-hmm. And I do understand that because I was at that place too. And afterwards, when we were talking about it, when we were able to talk about it from a mature level, he admitted that he did that on purpose. He even called it logical to Mm. be on purposely hurtful. And it was all defense. Mm. Yeah. On both sides. Yeah, I recently had a, a conversation where, actually it wasn't even a conversation, I asked a question. And the recipient of the question just totally went ballistic and I'm I'm going what I asked a question the question was is that new (laughs) that was my question you think totally innocuous right yeah and and so I was I was uh I felt like I'd I'd just been hit by a truck it's like I just said was that new what is the problem not understanding what was going on and the person had the grace to say that they realized that the the at least fifty percent of the drama was in their head, and not not what I was doing at all. Because I came from a, a place of innocence. Actually, I was merely asking a question. So, right. um, what is? Can you share with us like the worst situation that you have helped people resolve? <laughs> there was um, a lady a client who texted me. Oh, wait a minute. She called, first texted me, then called me. She was sobbing and said, my boyfriend of five years just walked out. And I said some really mean things to him. I said, well, maybe then we should break up for whatever, you know, and she didn't really, I said, I don't really mean that. I didn't really mean that. I still love him. What can I do? What can I do? She was completely distraught and sobbing. Yeah, just walked out and say he was so angry. I don't even know him anymore. And so we were able to, you know, calm her down and say, you know, what did he need? What what happened really was not what he needed. He wasn't really angry. He didn't want to walk on her out on her, but because it escalated so much, this is what happened. So she was able from a place of responsiveness get back to him and they were able to talk it out very next day the very next day i'm getting the text message i think you just saved our relationship three months later they got engaged (laughs) Uh they will be married in august wonderful yes that was really make it or break it time Uh uh-huh and so even when you're at that point, it's, there are things that you can do to make things salvageable. Yes, it's because if you start operating from a compassionate place, 
where you could say it's not only the other person's fault, I'm also involved. Let me understand this other person so we can see why we're at the point where we're at. And if it's not salvageable, then okay, you part friends, part as friends, you know, in a friendly, even friendly way, not in a, in a civil way, let's can say that way, but not in a hostile way. If it needs to be parted ways, then it has to be. But even from just a point of compassion, not just of it's only me who is right and you are wrong and I want you to tell, tell me that and apologize and all that, that really helps and that really can get you extremely far because that's what everybody just wants is to be loved and in a, in a, in a, in a relationship that is nurturing and helpful and supportive. But our brain is wired that way. We have our survival instincts. Our brain thinks we're always right. It has to, because otherwise, how could you live, right? If you think you're always wrong, you can't. Right. So, yeah, compassion is huge. It is. And also, I think if, if we were to truly understand the other person, um, even find out, like, if we're supposed to go back through and we look at our own history to see what our own um, baggage is that we carry, is it helpful for us also to look at the history of our partner and what their baggage is? And that's, would that make it so that the compassion would be more effective? Absolutely. Because if you're coming from a kind of the analytical way, instead of the very, very emotional way in there and saying, I understand why he acts the way he does because of the history. Like my husband, for example, had an abusive father. And they perpetuated that, you know, um, not physically abusive, but he was verbally abusive. His father was extremely physically abusive. You understand it better, although you don't condone it and you don't excuse it, you understand it better. And then it's easier to talk about something that you understand than something that you just abhor or find bad or whatever. It's much easier to, to find the right words to have the other person share instead of just spoo venom mm -hmm. yes if you look at somebody else's you know history and understand and um, maybe ask even yourself well how would i react if that had happened to me i can understand that so but let's now look forward and step you know let's go forward and look forward what we can do now to make this better right I th yeah i think that would be very helpful uh compassion and empathy and um what part does forgiveness play does forgiveness mean that we are condoning what they do? For me, forgiveness doesn't mean that you're excusing or condoning what they do. Forgiveness for me means is that you understand it and deal with it in, in, a, in a constructive way. You, mm -hmm. know, you don't have to be okay with it, but you can, you can be compassionate and, and say, it just doesn't work that way. Can we work in a different way? And that will make the other person want to work on themselves and do it differently too. And first off, you have to forgive yourself for your shortcomings. Just, you know, forgive yourself from where you were. Because it's not all, it's just what happened to you all a lifetime. It's imprinted in your brain. So forgive yourself and look forward and start to get new brains, new new pathways and everything that look forward and are positive. And you do the same with your partner. You forgive. doesn't have to mean that you condone or excuse, mm -hmm. exonerate. 
What if they've done something really, really hurtful, but they won't apologize for it? Is that an important thing? I mean, is an apology important? Their acknowledgement that they have done something wrong? I think that really depends on the individual. For me, it would be. Mm-hmm. But this is because people have different love languages and they have different languages of apology. So for me, it is very important even to hear an I'm sorry makes me completely relax. Mm-hmm. Um, and some other people, you know, showing remorse would be enough without a verbal apology. Other people would want to have a physical way of showing an apology, whatever it is, maybe a gift or something. But if you're looking for the other person to see that it was hurtful, yes, I think that's very important because if they feel everything was okay, not a big deal, then you'd have to go deeper and find out why would that not be a big deal for my partner if he hurts me and says, I love you, but I don't care about hurting you. That doesn't work, right? So that would have to go deeper of why this happens. Yeah. Well, if they were to come up with something along the lines of, well, I did that because you, which is the blaming again. Um, And then when the partner tries to explain why it was hurtful, if they still can't, if they still can't acknowledge it, you said that that might be a love language communication problem? I believe so. Okay. I believe it is because it would have, you still have to go deeper than, you know, the blame game is the superficial type of thing. Mm-hmm. Why is he, why does he need to put the blame game? Why, why does he say, oh, I had to do, I, I did that because you did, yada, yada, right? So it's like the back and forth thing. Yes, I understand you did this because I did, but why? Mm-hmm. Why did you do why are you triggered that way? Why did you do knowing it was hurting me and then go deeper into that? Mm-hmm. And that is when, you know, the coaching comes in or the therapy. I mean, therapy is just long-term really doesn't work that well. The way I found out with studies have been done that therapy and marriage counseling, initially people are happy about it, but the divorce rate still doesn't go down. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't. I've had, um, three people that I can think of right just right this minute who said that they've tried uh, therapy and it, it doesn't work for them with their marriage mm-hmm. therapist. They're, so they're trying to do something different. So how is coaching different than therapy? Coaching is more future-based. So I mean, I, I told you, I talked to people who have PTSD and one of them was a veteran. I think he was in um, Afghanistan. And he said, I could strangle my therapist because she would always make me go back to the bad place and kind of, you know, saying, okay, that's immersion therapy or whatever. And I just, I just want to forget this stuff. I don't want to have to talk about all the bad stuff that has happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what happens, you know, if a good therapist may be able to go to the core of issues better. But that's usually the problem is that I have noticed or I've heard from people too that they went to a therapist, couples, where he went separately, he went, she went separately, and the therapist just told her what he thought she wanted to hear and him the same way. So it was blaming the blame game in the triangle kind of. Uh Oh, I understand you. You did that because he did that. And the same for him. I understand you because she did what you did. What, you know, she did what, what was hurting you and whatever. So kind of corroborating that evidence from the past where coaching goes is future-based we say okay this is where we're at where do we want to go and how do we get there 
Mm-hmm. What if the um, one of the spouses won't let go of all of the stuff back there? Because you know, when we when we first get married, we're young and dumb, <laughs> and yeah. and we don't know what we're doing, and so we make mistakes. But what if the spouse refuses to um, to look at that and say, "Well, she was young and dumb, and you know, made made a mistake, but it's okay because I'm young and dumb and I make mistakes too." But they hold them as, um, I, I guess, weapons to be used later. So how do you diffuse that? The question is always, is that weapon still pointy? Why would that hurt me still if I forgave myself for the stuff that I did when I was dumb and young? Mm-hmm. Why would that weapon still be able to be used on me? I could say, okay, that's what happened. Too bad, but mm-hmm. now I'm not the same person anymore, obviously. I grew, I got older, everything, and a lot of has changed, obviously. Everybody changes over the years. So why would that weapon still have a point? And if it does, then I have to go check in myself, saying, why does this still trigger me? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, that weapon would simply be ineffective. Yeah, um, I. it was... I had an interesting observation that I made this weekend. I, I just went to a funeral. Um, and it, there were 150 people there, and they all had different memories of the same person, of course. Yeah. But there was a core group that could not let that person grow past a certain period of their life. So she grew and changed, but they didn't their memories or their perceptions of her did not allow her to change. And it was very interesting to watch that. Sometimes I think we might do that in relationships too, is just get so habituated of, well, you were this way once, therefore you will always be that way, even though we're busy being somebody else. So how do you, if somebody is going to do what I call stockpiling, which is, you know, to collect all of that stuff to use later, what's like, well, you were this way when you were like, <laughs> somebody once said something about that I had not done with my son when he was two years old. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he's 20. Why are you blaming me for that now? So if it is still pointy, I like that very much. Is, is the weapon still pointy? And if not, why are you trying to bludgeon me with this thing? So how do, is there some way that we can help other people grow past their perceptions of us? I believe, you know, it is just like the way you portray yourself. You actually, you show instead of telling. You show that you are different. And you show that, you know, okay, so this happened back then. Sorry for that. And now what? Mm-hmm. I changed. I'm not the same person. And let's see, say this other person goes, oh, yeah, you are. You did this. You did that. Okay. And now what? Let's go forward from here. We can't go back and change it. And the perception of that past reality may completely skewed anyway. Because mm-hmm. it is two different people, two different brains. One brain imprinted this way, another brain imprinted that way. And it doesn't make sense at that point to start arguing about, no, it wasn't that way. No, you said that because they might think they're right. You might think you're right. Both may be wrong, but does it matter for today when you go forward? That's what I'm thinking is the the biggest step to take is 
start from today and go forward. And if that, why should that be, you know, try to bludgeon me with that weapon and could laugh it off? Mm -hmm. So I can. I wasn't able for a long time. I was triggered by these things from way out in the past. Yeah. And I used those against him too from way in the past. And he was then turning that into a weapon of saying, well, you always hold grudges, which was true. And I didn't want to be that person to hold grudges, but I did. Mm -hmm. So I got over that as well. <laughs> Excellent. Well, yeah. um, Irina, remind us one more time again of how people can get in contact with you. I think it's what you do is extremely, extremely valuable work because uh, if, you've, if you've been in a marriage, especially for a long time with somebody, unless there is outright abuse or addiction, it's worth saving. So how can people get in contact with you? I believe it's worth saving, especially when children are involved. I mean, it's just big. Yeah, and adults are really happier when they're together with somebody else. And obviously, if this is a happy relationship, then you're on top of the world. Right. So yes, like I said, the easiest way is if you want to talk, you just come to the website, marriedlovesuccess.com, and you'll find somewhere in there a link to book a call with me, and then we could have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, and it's free of charge. Awesome. Thank you so much, Arena. Oh, my so pleasure. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining us today as we learned happiness hacks, relationship tools, how to refuel our resilience batteries and perfect our roar. Resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. Roar to win. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This is the EWN Podcast Network.